Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Hello, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So, when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic, and disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. Please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org.
We've got some big trailers to cover on today's show, including a new one for Child's Play. And on top of that, whoa, wait until you see this Hobbs and Shaw trailer. It is crazy. And then, oh, surprise, surprise, we're talking about Avengers Endgame today because they are spending all the money to market that one. I am so excited to talk about all of these stories with John Roca, as always. But also, we've got Silas on the show. Silas... We've known each other for, like, so, so long at this point. I, think I can't almost pl- as long as I've been doing this. I, I mm. think probably from the very, very beginning, because um, way back in the day, Coming Soon was one of my very first outlets, and you were there, and now you're moving on to something called Movie Bill that's super cool. Can Briefly, up at the top here, can you tell everybody about what Movie Bill is? Movie Bill, uh, people may have gotten it last year. We did a couple sort of playbills for, uh, for movies with augmented reality content. We're on a bit of a hiatus right now, but we're doing a lot of poster activity. Um, so if you get the, the Regal Movies app and scan movie posters, you may find some surprises. Oh, mm. Kind of cool. I mean, interactive marketing is a very exciting thing, mm. as is all the marketing we're about to talk about right now. Because our very first story of the day is about the Avengers Endgame marketing campaign. And as reported by Deadline, Endgame has the biggest marketing promotional campaign in Marvel Studios history. Well over an estimated $200 million dollars. Just to put that into perspective, that tops Infinity War, which had $150 million plus, Spider-Man Homecoming came in at $140 million, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 spent $80 million. Mindy Hamilton, who is the SVP of Partnership Marketing at the Walt Disney Company, said, We've grown beyond our target audience of traditional fanboys. Now it's millennials, it's teens, it's multicultural and families. We look for partnerships that honor and celebrate in each of these. Deadline also notes in their report that a partnership with Marvel is essentially a dream opportunity for any brand looking to solidify itself on shelves or break through to a brand new audience. Industry estimates say those consumer packaged brands that ally themselves with the MCU can see an average of a 50% spike in sales for a specific product line that they're promoting over a quarterly basis. That is absolutely crazy to me. And it's also nice to hear that it kind of goes both ways. But we're talking about over $200 million here. Roka, do you hear a number like that and think, wow, that is just absolutely crazy to market a movie? It, it is initially, but then, I mean, because I remember when spending $200 million to make a movie was such a massive deal. Now to have $200 million just to market a movie is even more insane. But this is what happens when a lot of your movies make over a billion dollars. You've got to spare $200 million to share. In, um, despair for marketing. But I think it's also letting you know how marketing is changing so much and they're taking advantage. I liked reading this article because you could see so many different products, so many different audiences that they want to address. If anything tells you that superhero, superhero movies are not going away anytime soon, it's the fact that this lady said that there are multiple sections of the populace that need to be serviced by our marketing. And that lets you know that it's not just sweaty nerds going over and over again. It's, the, it's pop culture, mass culture across the spectrum going to see uh, Avengers Endgame and Marvel and Disney stuff. So to me, I think it's smart and it's brilliant. It was shocking to see the number, but when you read the article, it's not shocking at all to see the movie 
moves that Disney is making to try to appeal. Because, listen, Disney wants all your money, everyone's money. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're a business. So this is how they want to go about getting it. And I kind of praise the inventiveness across the board of the different products that they find that, that appeal to Avengers Endgame possible audience. Well, some of this stuff was pretty clever. I wasn't going to mm. watch all the ads. But then right before we started, Silas, you had to wait until like 90 seconds before showtime <laughs> to tell me that Goose was in one of these things. And I watched about a minute of the uh, the uh, promo and I didn't get to Goose. Yeah, there, There's an Audi promo where, where Brie Larson uh, is playing Carol Danvers mm. and she's come back from Earth and she's being briefed. And it's kind of really silly, but it's also kind of fun. Uh, I don't think it's technically in the MCU canon, but uh, Goose does make a cameo. I got to take the time to actually watch the full thing. One of the encouraging things about this, actually two encouraging things. One, when you scroll through the list of companies that they're aligning themselves with, it's not just the familiar brands. Like, mm-hmm. let's say a McDonald's. There, I think Ulta was also yeah. on the list, too. And that's just a sure sign that the MCU is reaching out to ladies right now mm-hmm. through movies like Captain Marvel. Then there's also things like Stand Up to Cancer, too. So even though in my brain it's like, oh, if you spend $200 million marketing a movie that's you know let's say 200 really cool independent films that disney could have financed it's not really like that because them putting all that money into the into the marketing campaign is also kind of helping to support an industry and helping get other brands and other operations off the ground so the fact that it all feeds into each other is kind of nice i like that and it's also i think it's smart because this shows you the diversity of casting allows them to open themselves up to other uh other sections of the populace with which they can appeal and and get their money from right. Look, you've got Black Panther. Okay, now you open the door to the to uh, people who to the black community who goes to see superhero movies. You got Ulta. You got Captain Marvel. Great. You got Black Widow. Great. We're going to go through here. You got a cute little raccoon. You got a cute little cat. We'll go through pet stores. Like there's so much that you can go through now in terms of the entire Marvel and different ages as well, young all the way up to old, like Robert Downey Jr. So there's there. It's just brilliant all around that the MCU and Disney was able to make this happen and. And now it only makes sense for marketing to take advantage of all the different sections of uh, the movie going public that can be serviced by having all these multiple uh, diverse actors in their cast. I feel like I have to go check Petco for uh, Avengers cat toys. <laughs> Don't they, be surprised. Well, they had them for Star Wars, and I yeah. bought a bunch of them for Dewey, and I think they amused me more than they did him, but mm. they were there. Silas, I'm curious to get your take on this now. With all this money being spent, is Endgame even a movie that needs this massive marketing push, or would would, these, would all of us fans have gone to see it no matter what? I, I think that uh, it's not a movie that needs it, but I think that it's a movie that is only going to be uh, improved by having it. And I also think that when you are a department in charge of making these decisions, when you say, hey, you gave us $200 million last time, and look what we did with it. We turned it mm-hmm. into several billion. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to get the money for your next film uh, with that having happened. Yeah, and I, I have a very good feeling that's going to be the case here. Between all the uh, the ticket pre-sales, hearing statistics like this and how this movie and this franchise can change the game for other brands, again, I think we're just adding to the pile of reasons why Avengers Endgame is likely going to be the very first movie to cross $300 million opening weekend. I, I kind of look like I still have cups in my kitchen from uh, Thor that had 7-Eleven <laughs> Slurpees. Uh, I, I'm glad it's back. 
because they sort of took a pause from some of the more like fast food tie-ins for a while. I mean, maybe it's because I don't I don't eat fast food often, but I feel like I haven't seen that kind of product uh, movie integration recently. I think mm. one of the oldest things that I've kept is when we go to uh, press screenings. Actually, they don't do this anymore. For a period of time, Marvel was designed. I mean, it's because we're not really seeing them in 3D, I guess, as much anymore. Marvel was designing 3D glasses to suit the hero, and I mm. still have the pair of Iron Man glasses I got. I think it might have been for the Age of Ultron screening that I went to. So I was RIP to all my Slurpee cups. Once I moved in with my girlfriend, those were all thrown out. So now I had I had all the Star Wars Slurpee cups and all the Marvel Slurpee cups. They all had to go because they weren't allowed in the house anymore. But I did keep the tin. Uh, they do for the popcorn. They keep those. They do make the tins yeah, for the Star Wars that. stuff. So I still have a few, a couple of those. Those are nice mementos to keep. But this is how the marketing works. I agree with you. They don't have to spend it, but they can spend it. And because they do, they are like. Uh, uh, forging even stronger partnerships with all these products. It's smart. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to see how this marketing campaign pans out. I mean, is Avengers Endgame going to make any money or or no? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. We're moving on to our second story, and this is where we get into the trailer zone today. So earlier today, we got a brand new trailer for the new Child's Play movie. Of course, this upcoming movie is more of a reboot, and it kind of restarts the continuity and introduces us to highly advanced dolls outfitted with cutting-edge AI that are branded Buddy. The film opens June 21st and it stars Aubrey, Pro- uh, Aubrey Plaza, Gabriel Bateman, Brian Tyree Henry, and of course, Mark Hamill is the new voice behind Chucky. Silas, we haven't really spoken about this Child's Play movie before, so first off, I'm curious, where do you stand on this movie existing at all while the other series is still going on? And then two, what does this trailer do for you? I, I have such mixed feelings. I, I like... Uh, let me start by saying I think this trailer is great. Mm-hmm. I think that if I did not know what Child's Play was and I saw this trailer, I would say, oh, that looks really fun. And I love Mark Hamill's The Voice of a Killer Doll. I also kind of feel like, well, I just wish it had the blessing of, like, Mark Hamill's the nicest guy in the world. It's hard for me to believe there was never a conversation with Brad Dourif mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to take, take over for this one. At the same time, I think we've seen a lot of horror movies that have had reboots while franchises are still going, and it doesn't necessarily disrupt things. Mm-hmm. I'm still a little sour on it. I mean, it's... Again, I I echo what you said. I liked this trailer. I liked the other trailer. I don't think they're bad by any means. It's just until... I mean, I guess at this point, it's just until I see the movie and I see that this is something that's any good. It's just really difficult to wrap my brain around them still making what I've been having a lot of fun with for the last few years and then this existing as well. And the one thing that threw me about the trailer, because when you said it at the beginning that whether you know Child's Play or not, you can jump into this, I was wondering if anybody found the one confusing detail to be the fact that that they brand everything buddy and then the kid refers to the doll as chucky i mean yes like Mm. we know that kids name toys and stuff but i would have thought there would have been a moment where he picks up this clearly branded buddy toy and says i'm gonna call you chucky Mm. something like that now, maybe that's an integral part of the movie. They didn't want to blow it in the trailer. Who knows? No. It, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's anything like the the reasoning behind the name in the original, yeah, yeah, it could that's be something. Sort of makes me wonder: Is Mark Hamill going to be in the movie as a person that then oh. has his personality put in this doll by Indeed. some means? That's a good question. Mm. I don't know what their what their production timeline was, and I imagine there were reshoot opportunities anyway, but that would be really cool if he showed up in the flesh. Yeah. 
It's weird because I remember them talking about uh, remaking uh, a chopping mall, and they're like, "But there's not going to mm. be robots this time." And it's like, what? "Why?" <laughs> and now it seems like they just took the chopping mall plot and have sort of put it into Child's Play. What do you think about the whole uh, Chucky AI? Or I mean, we didn't really get to see him like embrace AI in this trailer, but more so, you know, I guess he's connected to all of your your in home entertainment now. I, I think it works. I think it's a. It, it, it actually kind of has a Gremlins vibe to me in the mm-hmm. trailer. I think in part because of the Christmas uh, scenes in a in a shopping mall, but um, there is something with Gremlins where they they get into the machinery and they make everything go haywire. And it seems like now Chucky is doing the same thing with uh, Wi-Fi. <laughs> I've never been one of the biggest fans of the Child's Play series, so for me, seeing this trailer. I got excited. I liked it. I think it's inventive. One of the, my greatest fears is AI. So to see it being consummated by a doll and a doll being able, it's inventive that he's able to uh, uh, connect to all these different devices. And it does say it's a kind of a small little commentary about our need mm-hmm. and dependence on technology now that we all have for the most part, how that could be manipulated to destroy us, you know? And so I like that aspect of it all. My, my only negative about the trailer to me is that I didn't hear Mark Hamill's voice hardly at all. And so I I would like to hear more of him as as uh, Chucky in this trailer. Uh, but overall, and I don't know if the Aubrey Plaza thing is a little weird. She doesn't look like that child could be her child because she looks like <laughs> younger. So I have to accept that. But overall, it's nice to have her in the movie because interesting take to have her in the movie. So it'll be fun. And But I, the, my favorite shot is all four of those young kids with weapons mm. going, we're going to take on Chucky. That is exciting. So there's a lot about this trailer that for me, who was like kind of, uh, I actually am now excited to see it after this trailer. Yeah, so. that that was the part where I got different vibes where, mm. you know, the movie basically said to me, beyond Chucky 2.0, we're not going to stick to every specific thing that happened in the original right, or anything right. like that. We're going to try something different. Then again, and this might be because I just had a conversation with Haley about the overabundance of 80s nostalgia right now. I see that, and I'm thinking, oh, now they're trying to be Stranger Things. Also, what's mm. happening here? Again, this is probably just all coming from me being super skeptical about this movie existing from the start, but I'm staying open-minded again. When you get people like Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry and Mark Hamill, automatically I have more faith in a movie like this. So I am just praying that they see it through to the finish and it winds up being a nice surprise. I'm assuming we're getting another trailer before the uh, the June 21st release, and I would imagine at that point they would make a big show out of Mark Hamill voicing Chucky. I had thought they would have done that the first trailer after the announcement with this one, but hmm. hopefully we get that in the next couple of weeks, I would imagine. Yeah. It's also so crazy that this movie is coming out opposite uh, Toy Story 4. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. Andy was the name of the kid in the original Child's Play, mm-hmm. right. but it's weird. to It's still Andy, except this time the toys are trying to murder him. I hope <laughs> someone out there does some sort of trailer mash. I, like, I don't know what you can reasonably mash up at this point, but there seems like a great opportunity to get creative on June 21st. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We got another trailer to cover right now, and I still, I can't believe this one. So we have a new trailer for Hobbs and Shaw, and this movie looks absolutely batshit crazy. (laughs) Dwayne Johnson's Luke Hobbs and Jason Statham's Deckard Shaw team up for director David Leach in this one. The movie also stars Vanessa Kirby, Idris Elba, and Helen Mirren, and it hits theaters on August 2nd, 2019. Roka, please tell me you love this trailer. I love this trailer, but... (laughs) 
You showed me too much. You showed me oh. too much. I want to be surprised by the stunts I see in the trailer. We had the Captain America moment where he's hanging on to the helicopter so you could see his bicep. That was great. The Rock coming home. I know we've seen pictures of that already. So, that, But I don't need to see the hookah this early. Wait, wait. Or the hakarath. Wait till the movie. All that kind of stuff. So I, I really love the trailer. It excited me even more to see what we're going to uh, see in the movie. Black Superman and all that was really great. Vanessa Kirby getting some scenes now was really great. Helen Murren getting a shot there in prison. But um, that whole sequence where, the, where uh, Jason Statham is going through uh, all those different uh, uh, henchmen and The Rock is just walking through and knocks over one dude, that's the vibe of the movie. That's basically the movie. So if you're going in this looking for any kind of realism, any kind of like what's going to be, throw all that out the window. This is just going to be a balls out, a lot of fun, and that's that. But I think they showed way too many action sequences in this trailer. For me, but it's a Fast and Furious spinoff, so why wouldn't you show all that action? I get why they did it. I just, for me, I don't want to have it all ruined in the trailer before I go see it on the big screen. This thing looks absurd, but I love it. And I found it funny that I reacted so positively to it because when I saw uh, Fast and Furious 8, I mean, not that the movies that came before that one weren't outlandish to a degree. (laughs) It's just like, it felt like 8 crossed the line a little and I wasn't on board as much. I mean, this is absolutely nuts. And you make a good point that there is a chance that they showed too much Mm. in this. Either they showed too much in this or they have more set pieces than we've ever seen before in a single Fast and Furious movie. But I will tell you, this thing started, and within seconds of the footage beginning, I was I was mesmerized. I had a big grin on my face. I cannot believe the kick I got out of this trailer. And not even just uh, The Rock and Jason Statham. I loved watching Vanessa Kirby kick ass, and I liked Helen Mirren's bit. It looks like Idris Elba is having the time of his life in this, and it kind of all just like radiates off screen in a way that makes me have fun. Really, the whole ensemble looks looks like they are living it up to the max in this movie and that's the feeling i kind of want to have in a hobbs and shaw spinoff i i totally agree with both of you i love the trailer i do think it's too much there mm. my hope is that it's just such a bombastic movie that that's a tiny tiny part of it <laughs> god help us all <laughs> the, the the weirdest thing for me in this though is the 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 rocks family in the movie mm. because the fast and furious franchise has always had that family backbone and Fast and Furious, Fate of the Furious was the one that did sort of like not entirely work for me. And the reason was because of Deckard Shaw. It's like when you look at these movies, it's like one, two, four, five, six, seven, three, and then eight. Mm-hmm. So Tokyo Drift just happened. Shaw just killed Han. And he's invited to the cookout. And it's it's a little lame because yeah. for a film that has touted family being the ultimate important thing, you just invited a guy that killed one of your family to come eat with you mm-hmm. for not really any reason whatsoever. I feel like, um, and this might not be true for every hardcore Fast and Furious fan, but as as someone who doesn't know the specifics super well and doesn't necessarily revisit all of the movies often, I feel like the divide for me happened at five. It was almost like an, an unspoken, not necessarily a reboot, but like a revitalization to me where like I I mentally like don't process that in the story for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's yeah. just naturally when I watch it, I feel like I'm not judging him as hardcore as I should be because I've separated things. Yeah, adding The Rock and uh, everything they did in five was to essentially soft reboot the franchise because the they sensed that the franchise was going down 
financially. And so they bring The Rock in. Everything happens. Bring a new director in. He revitalizes the whole franchise. And they can mess with the storylines a little bit and not necessarily come back to the situation with Deckard Shaw. And you cast someone like Jason Statham who has the uh, – what do you got? Has the um, – uh, personality and a charm to let you get over the fact that he he killed Han. Um, I wonder overall, though, whether uh, this is kind of a shot. This is an interesting moment because he's essentially taking over uh, Dom's thing, which is about family and making it about the Rock's family. And, of course, you have Jason Statham's family and that his sister is involved with this stuff and his mom. But now we have the Rock's family going back to his roots which is what Dom did in the first movie, mm-hmm. going back to his roots. So it's just an interesting thing. Wait, so what? Han dies in in which, three in, in Tokyo three, Drift, and then they re, they revisit it later, don't they? Well, then then four, five, six, and seven are all like it's like all prequels to three. Yeah, all the pieces are kind of coming right. back together the, where yeah. where that was addressed more mm-hmm. recently. Where maybe I should feel like more more but, affected by it, but I don't. Really weird because in, 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 within the fiction yeah. of the of the films, they're they're more sad that, that Paul Walker's character died right. is gone, and he just left. And it's like, well, nobody. One of your friends actually died. He just decided to stop hanging out with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Oh, it's uh, it's a lot. I, I want someone to just like who you want to uh, volunteer for this role? Could just yeah. like binge all the Fast and Furious movies, write out a big explainer, and then just like catch everybody up to speed. Let's Put it all it. in a proper timeline. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> Don't do that. I will absolutely uh, all eight movies. Let, let's say because this trailer, I mean, it's pretty clear. It made a huge huge impression on me. What happens if Hobbs and Shaw hits theaters and it is just like I mean, like a runaway success? Do you think that could impact Fast and Furious 9 and just, like, the proper series at all? Yes. I mean, I think Fast and Furious is always going to be around as as a brand. Um, I do think that maybe it's time to shake up the, the main mm-hmm. series or even end it. I think franchises always make a ton of money by saying this is the last time everyone's coming together. Maybe do that and do a couple Fast and Furious presents for a while. Do you think it could end before Nine even gets off the ground, or are they too far along with Nine to put a stop to it? I think they'll. they'll I mean, I think they'll at least wait until they see some. I mean, it may be that Hobbs and Shaw just boosts Nine. Yeah, The Rock won't be in it. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't think The Rock's going to be in 9 or 10. I think they'll definitely do 9 and 10. He made, see, a, he made a statement about that in January. Yeah, yeah, to see what Vin Diesel can do with 9 and 10. If The Rock supplants him, which is Vin Diesel's greatest fear, then The Rock takes this franchise and goes in this direction with Hobbs and Shaw because that man can work with anybody. He can work with anybody on screen chemistry-wise. And so you go through this. This is the path. Maybe they'll do a Presents, but I, I don't know how many Presents you're going to hmm. spin off that'll, uh, uh, that have the personality of The Rock and Statham to carry you. So it would be surprising. that You don't want to see Ludacris with his own movie or the other the two uh, other dudes, the two other two Latino guys who, 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 who jank those cars. Like There's not a lot of people with the personality of the rock that will that can like spin off into its own uh, branch and so i i don't see that happening besides the rock but vin vin should be scared here because the rock could absolutely supplant him as the alpha dog in this series that's in play which also wouldn't be surprised yeah we've seen so much behind the scenes of them not really getting along there's something kind of fun about making that the plot of hobbs and shaw (laughs) where it's like oh they they hate each other oh no Yeah. yeah it'll happen I think that 
I wish we had a more recent update on Fast and Furious 9 because the last thing I found was that statement from Dwayne Johnson back in January where he basically said, we're not, I'm not in 9, but you know, that doesn't mean the door is closed for me to pop up in 10. However, at that time, he had said, I think 9 is going into production fairly soon. And as far as I know, they haven't yet. I mean, it's still listed as in pre-pro on IMDb Pro. So I'm curious to know when they're actually going to pull the trigger and go forward with that. And mm. if for whatever reason it's delayed for a while and then this comes out and then this blows up, I wonder if they might just, you know, kind of retool those resources and what they plan on doing with them and kind of putting more into this right now. Poor Tyrese. What's I also, he going to do? I wouldn't mind well, it Tyrese getting even Tyrese was pissed sillier. recently too, wasn't he? That's what he? I'm saying. Poor Tyrese. What are you going to do now, Tyrese? Yeah, go, go. Like, I, I don't want to see a Back to the Future reboot, but if Doc Brown shows up and gives Vin Diesel <laughs> the DeLorean, I, I don't really mind that. <laughs> There's something genius about oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> Silas, what have you done? This is like another trailer mashup. Yeah, it's you all need. universal. Then they can go to Jurassic Park. I've already had a brain fart. What's the other trailer mashup? We, oh, Child Play yeah, and, and Toy yeah, Story, yeah. and then we'll get back to the future with Fast and Furious. We're making Fast movies to the here. future. Oh, oh no! Silas, so get out! Get out! <laughs> oh, I already love it. I love it so much that you know how distracted I got by these wonderful trailers. Is Adam in the booth knows? I forgot to mention Twitter questions. We take your live Twitter questions at the end of the show. Use the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. Short, sweet, something new. If you repeat your question, I probably will not pick it. Guys, we have one more story to hit today, and it's kind of a big one here. It's a really interesting story. So there is even more fallout to report on the whole Disney-Fox merger. Director Wes Ball, who did the Maze Runner movies, he was set up to make a Mouse Guard adaptation. That was his next big screen project, and he had Andy Serkis and Thomas Brody Sangster on board to lead the cast. It was supposed to be a performance capture animated adaptation of the comics, and it was set to start production early this May, with Fox set to distribute the movie. But then the merger went through, and THR is reporting that Disney has officially shut down the Fox property, but it's going to allow the producers, which includes Matt Reeves, to go shop the project around elsewhere. And apparently there is some interest from other studios, which includes Netflix. But why cancel the project in the first place? It is probably because it cost a whole lot of money. This thing had a reported budget of $170 million. And THR's report goes on to suggest that the only big-budget properties the Fox division will be tackling are in the Avatar brand for now. They also mention that some say that the Mouse Guard's motion capture performance production was too close to Disney's own productions like The Lion King and The Jungle Book. Uh, All right, before we even dig into the messiness there, Silas... Who in their right mind would spend $170 million on a Mouse Guard movie? Am, am I just crazy to think that? I, I don't know. I don't know Mouse Guard quite well enough. Um, I, I Frankly, I kind of get it confused with Redwall. Um, mm. But I, I love Matt Reeves, and I feel like he has been such an amazing force. I can see how, if he's doing Batman for Warner Brothers, that maybe Disney's attitude is sort of like, well, go, go put this at Warner Brothers if you have such faith in it. See, but your reaction kind of hints to me that they shouldn't have spent that amount of money on this to begin with because it's like I am vaguely aware of what the Mouse Guard is, but I most certainly will not hear that title and say, I must run and see that movie ASAP. Is it different for you, Roka? No, not at all. I, th- I-, I was shocked at $107 million, and it only reinforces why Fox was for sale. Making decisions Aww. like this aren't really that smart, and no one is clever. 
clamoring for a animated mouse Game of Thrones movie. This feels like something in the vein of uh, Valerian and uh, Mortal Engines. This idea that in the concept seems awesome. And I know some people on Twitter were like, oh, I would love to see this. But there's no way the, the, the Twitter up, uh, uh, backlash or uproar wasn't anywhere near massive that this, pro- that this project got shut down. And that lets you know this thing was not going to make any money. It's fortunate for West Ball, too. Yeah, he, sure. Like, he is, if, if I had to put this project and that money in anyone's hand, he does seem like a capable guy. Yeah, absolutely. And you have Andy Serkis involved, a number of great yeah. talents involved in this thing. It's not a negative. doesn't mean it's going to work, though. And so going to Netflix would be interesting because Netflix doesn't do a lot, a lot of original animated movies. So if this goes into production with Netflix backing it, that would be interesting to see what they could do. Maybe they'll be cut costs at that point. You know, they have $8 billion to spend. Uh, they'll be cut costs at that point. Um, and then we'll see what this comes out. But to me, I don't... This is such a weird decision. $170 million for a Mouse Game of Thrones type of movie. It, I just don't see the logic in it. It has the, uh, kind of the old school Rankin and Bass 70s Lord of the Rings kind of animation vibe to it. And I don't know if a lot of people... Ralph Bakshi, I don't know if a lot of people were clamoring for something like this. I mean, I am very curious. If any of you out there are really big Mouse Guard fans, mm. seriously, in the comments, tell us why you think this movie deserves a budget like that. But moving beyond that, now this kind of exposes a... I don't know if I'm going to call it a problem, but it's a it's a bit of a bummer in regards to this Disney-Fox merger because, again, as I said from that THR piece, they're saying that it is being suggested that the only big-budget properties the Fox division will be tackling are in the Avatar brand. So does this mean that going forward or for the foreseeable future, we are going to eliminate all the big-budget movies that Fox made from their repertoire and just focus on... Avatar and everything else. And just to give you some brands there, that means nothing like the planet, the new Planet of the Apes series. We're not going to get an original movie like, or, you know, an adaptation like The Martian. Things like that are going to be too pricey for them. Didn't they hint at CinemaCon, though, that the Alien and Planet of the Apes were something that yes. they were actively mm-hmm. looking at? And they name drop Maze Runner, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is out. West Ball will move on if West Ball wants to live in Maze Runner world for the rest of his life, <laughs> but I don't know. They did name drop Aliens, though. I feel like, like you know, at Disney, you could do the rescuers first. There's just two oh, mice in that. Uh, probably sure. probably a Let's fraction of the price. As a trial balloon. Let's see how that catches on. Oh, uh, but no, it, I, this is an int- Yeah, the article is interesting because it says only after all, but they did hint at those other things. I think they just want to let this thing die down for a little bit, figure out what's the smart financial course for it going forward. And yeah, some projects are going to bite the dust, and maybe some projects should bite the dust because you want to be smart about how you roll out the Fox properties. You surely don't want to uh, put another installment of one of these storied franchises and have it fail again mm-hmm. under your leadership. That's not good either because that's basically the death knell for that franchise, you know? I don't what Predator is under there, uh, Aliens is under there, so one more bad one of each of those and, you know, you're in the trash. I mean, this Terminator thing better work. I think if this Terminator thing doesn't work, this is done, you know, and maybe it should be uh, done as well. You talk about the Fast and the Furious, maybe these other franchises, if they can't get installments right, need to be die, need to die and Disney's looking at that financially. Well, I'm thinking about Alien in particular. Mm. I'm old 
always rooting for another one of those movies, whether it's Ridley Scott continuing what he was working mm-hmm. on, despite how I felt about Covenant, or doing something, I mean, not necessarily different, but whenever I think about another Alien installment, my mind goes back to where it all began, keeping it small, making it feel like mm. a haunted house in space, and that, to me, doesn't call for an insanely high budget, so it feels like, I don't know, if you put like an $80 million ceiling on it, perhaps that could be the highest Fox can go for now, at least. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they don't close the doors on a whole bunch of creative opportunities just for budgetary restric- restrictions. But as Roka tells me all the time, it is a business. It's so a business, I get Perry. It. I get it. I get it's not it. Art. I try to have a little <laughs> faith and hold tight to the things I'm rooting for really hard sometimes. As, all right. As she uses the Avengers Endgame Ulta Beauty Pack. Yes, I'm going to. Ulta Beauty Pack. No, I'm not, it's cool that it's out there. I'm not buying that. <laughs> I'll go to McDonald's and get a soda before I get that. Um, all right. Now we got some plugs for you guys. Guys, as always, you know you can expect Collider Live tomorrow morning live at 10 a.m. PT. And God, there is someone on this table right now who has so much content coming your way that I'm just going to pass it in his direction. Silas, Silas, <laughs> Silas you want to tell me about Collider Mailbag in the oh, first yeah. time? No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Collider Mailbag this week, and we're going to have Ashley Victoria Robinson and Adam Plavak coming on. We're going to uh, talk about Game of Thrones stuff, talk about some Avengers Endgame, maybe some Star Wars questions will creep in there. We'll see. And for sports time uh, today, Adam Caporal stopped by over Spike, uh, over Skype rather, and we talked on dropping dimes a little bit about the NBA playoffs tomorrow. McCougar and I are going to play a game of three questions with each other on Sports Time, kind of shake things up on a Friday episode of Sports Time. So tune in for that tomorrow live at 1 p.m. on the Collider Sports uh, YouTube and podcast feed. You blew through that way too fast. Oh, I was I? using that as time to pick Twitter questions. Oh, uh, and <laughs> no, one more kidding. thing. Right. Uh, oh, <laughs> our right. new Game of Thrones explainer videos. Go find them on the social media there. Roka worked Collider really video. hard on them with the dot-com staff, so please great. do go give those a watch. They came out great. All right, this first question here, I teased this one for you guys a little bit before. J. Scotty St. Clair is asking us, as an honorary judge for the film fan community, why would you make the punishment for the... What would you make the punishment for the crime of intentionally perpetuating a leak slash spoiler for a film that hasn't released wide. So how are you guys punishing people who are distributing leaks and spoilers? Silas? We find out how they're going to die and we make them aware of it. You have to be aware of your own death. Oh, wow. We're not going to kill them. We're not going to hurt them. But yeah. your your own death is going to be spoiled for you. Right. You don't know when it's going to happen, <laughs> but this is how it's going to happen. We're going to need the like Minority Report precog. We, we have a third movie right now. This is this is like a meta horror movie where you spoil a death in the movie and then death comes for This is the next installment of Final <laughs> Destination. That's Final Destination. There you go, Perry. Well, it was nice working with you. <laughs> now that you're going to start writing for the Final Destination. So that's brilliant. Um, you know, I think your I think your social media account should be taken away from you. I think you should be shut down for three months, and you'd be unable to tweet. And if I wish there was more security and vigilance on these social media platforms, so that they could go after people and shut them down on their respective computers or on their respective uh, internet lines, so that they can't have access to these kinds of things. The other thing is publishing your address, and people come and protest outside your oh. house. That would be the other thing. I'm always of punish hard first 
so that they learn the lesson quickly and then punish lesser as you go along. But certainly that, and I think that people who are ruining the movie, I don't I understand that kind of mentality. So I think no punishment is too harsh this side of death. Well, your first suggestion seemed actually kind of realistic. Yeah. I mean, if uh, the social media platforms have a way to, to monitor and police certain behavior on those platforms, mm-hmm. then one thing should be, oh, if you're doing something like this, you just click a button and someone is banned for X amount of weeks or months, and right. then they come back, hopefully having thought of the wrong they'd done. <laughs> All right, we have another question here. Wait, from- wait, wait, wait. What was your punishment for them? I just came up with a movie. It's oh, fine. that's okay. Fine. All right. <laughs> I mean, real. I've been thinking about this a lot, and yeah. I, I, I really actually do think probably one of the only reasonable avenues to pursue is the idea of suspending an account, yeah. taking an account away, blocking someone from commenting on a YouTube channel. Mm. Those are pretty much the only things you can do. And I mean, that's one of the downsides about the way we use the internet yeah. today. Is you know, there's anonymity, and that kind of almost gives people license to spoil things because they won't be held accountable so i mean the thought is how can you hold people accountable and i guess stopping accounts is really the only way to do it if it's online Mm. yeah i I, solved the problem there was a weird thing i noticed when when captain marvel came out there were so many just horrible people that were Mm. like aggressively trying to spoil it and they were mostly wrong like there there were so i would see these attacks and it was like well you listed like five spoilers and four of those are not in the movie well i will tell you i hope the one that i saw the other day in my twitter feed was wrong because i saw it i blocked it not happy about it. We'll see what happens. All right. Next question here is from Nick Leitner, who's asking, Hey, Collider, any actors or actresses you would like to see try voicing, you would like to see try voice acting work either in an animated film or like Rocket Raccoon and Bla- and Bradley Cooper type role? Hmm. Brad Dorif. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. A lot a, of great it's a big question. I want to see more voice work from Amy Poehler because her work as mm. Joy in Inside Out is one of my favorite voice performances of all time. That's a good point. Clint Eastwood's never done an animated voice, has he? Clint Eastwood would be, would be interesting. <laughs> Even the voice of the West in Rango was not him. That was Timothy Oliphant. So wouldn't that be interesting to have Clint Eastwood do... Uh, a voiceover in animated, or Robert De Niro, I don't think so, or Pacino. Pacino is an animated creature. He's already an animated character in real life anyway. Would be fantastic. Have we had Charlie Day do an animated character oh, yet? Oh, he's, oh, good question. Her, how could he not have? Yeah, he was actually, when, when uh, Guardians of the Galaxy came out, when they showed it to press, uh, Howard the Duck was in the background of the collector's mm-hmm. lair, but they didn't have the post credit sequence. And at the junket, I even said to James Gunn, like, oh, yeah, you should he's, make Charlie he's Day in the... Lego. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right. But he's right. great in Lego. He's great right. in Lego. Um, actually, going off of kind of what you just said, who are the two that, that lend their voice work to, to BB-8? Uh, Bill Hader oh, Bill and Hader, uh, um, Ben Schwartz? I don't know about Ben Schwartz. It sounds like... I know, it's I, know pa- it's Bill I know it's a pair of them, but whoever <laughs> they are, because I love BB-8 so much, let's, let's let them voice a, a whole character all on their own. Are you looking up another one, Rob? Yeah, I, was I, I could say, see. I could see the wheels in your head yeah, turning. I was gonna and say the Jenny going. Slate, but Jenny Slate uh, oh, has already pets. done stuff for Lego and other things like that. And what she started out with with that little mollusk thing that she did after. <gasps> Marcel that? the Shell. Marcel the Shell. Like, I love that <laughs> that's, video that's so much. That's when I started to become a fan of hers off of Saturday Night Live when she started doing that. So I thought maybe she hadn't done an animated series. How dumb of me she has. I want so. a Marcel the Shell with shoes on feature film. Yeah, of course, none of us <laughs> has voiced animated characters. Characters, so I think we'd all be happy. If, no, uh, I, I actually have though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you I've have. I've done Transformers and oh, yeah. Sophia. The first, yeah, yeah, I've done a number of them, but not enough to 
be doing that full time. So, but yes, I would always love to voice another character. What's your What's your frog's name again? Oh, uh, uh, oh no, Springload yeah, on Spring the Transformer. Springload. Okay. He's always looking for Doratus. That's on robots in dis- robots in disguise. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, we got another Yikes. question okay, here. <laughs> this one's from Dale. Oh, this is a tough one to think of on the spot. Dale White is asking: Are there any recent movies you found through VOD, straight to video, or streaming that you wished premiered in a theater? That is a tough one to come up with an answer off the top of my head. I will say that I watched the movie Cargo when it came out on Netflix, and I really liked that. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of movies that Netflix is releasing right now that could have done well on the big screen. But it's like one of the first things that comes that comes to mind is Bird Box. And half mm. the reason Bird Box was such a big craze was the way it was distributed. So I don't even know. Did you like Bird Box? I did. Okay. I did. I, I didn't. With reservations. I didn't love Bird okay. Box. I okay. had a bunch of issues, but I wound up teetering on the positive side with it. Gotcha. I, I saw Highwayman recently with oh, yeah. Highwayman recently on Netflix. We turned it on because the reviews were kind of a little bit yes and no, and so we we turned it on. I was like, "Honey, let me watch it for like half an hour and see what happens." We ended up ripping through the whole thing that night. It's fantastic. I wish, you know, as a fan of Westerns, it's, it's not necessarily a Western, but it certainly feels like a Western to old school guys who kind of grew up during that time when Westerns were real, uh, coming together to catch Bonnie and Clyde. And uh, I thought Costner and Woody Harrelson were fantastic in the movie. It's a movie that takes its time. It's two hours and 15 minutes or something like that. But when you watch it on Netflix, I thought to myself, man, this would be a f- a fun as hell to watch on the big screen kind of like old man and the gun was so much fun to watch on screen would have worked on netflix just fine but watching it on screen gives it a little more of that like it's a theatrical film you know so i, I would throw that in there I, I would say almost any movie i watch i would rather be watching on a big screen <laughs> um the one that, that does stick out for me with that question though and i'm unfortunately blanking on the name of it was uh the movie josh brolin did with jody hill um, Josh Brolin and Jody Hill. Oh. That was like a, a, a father and son uh, hunting. Uh, and it, oh. it just had such beautiful scenery to yeah. it outside. <laughs> and as I was watching it, I was thinking, like, I remember thinking, I kind of wish I could see this on a big screen. Right, right. Where did you see it originally? I think it was on Netflix. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Sometimes right streaming now. services blur together for me. Yeah. But it premiered, I think, no directly to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to do a little research and find that title later. All right. Let's take one more Twitter question. Hmm. All right. We've talked a lot of Avengers, so I'm going to steer clear of that right now. This last (laughs) one is from Brandon131373, who is asking, what are a few of the movies that you guys in the Collider offices have the most arguments about? Oh, man. Uh, Damn. Man of Steel. I think we certainly argue about huh. Man of Steel because Ryland and I like it a lot. Not everyone likes it. On I'm on your side. side. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've argued about Last Jedi, so I don't know if I would put that in there. Aquaman, huh. we certainly argued about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we didn't. Uh, a few of us didn't like it. Other people really liked it. So. Um, I mean, it, it's difficult for me to apply the word argue yeah, to argue, what we right, do here right. because that actually, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not just saying yeah. it. I feel like that rarely happens. I've never seen a review or a heated conversation get so heated to the point that it crosses the line to argument. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like when Us came out, we're all in this office, we're all over the place about Us, and I happen to be on the really high end of it. But, you know, I've had conversations with many people here mm-hmm. who don't feel the same way, and it's, it's never an 
argument. What movie, mm-hmm. Silas, do you find yourself defending the most often? <laughs> defending the most often. Um, I don't know. There are a lot of bad movies that I really like. Um, I, I love a movie called Mast and Anonymous that was like a written sort of by Bob Dylan and is just filled with celebrity cameos uh, and no one in the world likes but me. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the one movie that I've seen that nobody in the world likes but me. I think I'm I'm limited on that one. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be one, isn't there? I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what well, what would be like certifiably one of the worst movies. I mean, it's probably I don't know, like an I guess like an Adam Sandler movie. Like I really like Little Nicky, even though a lot of people oh hate God. that movie. Nobody likes Little Nicky. That that <laughs> you right. can own that one. Absolutely. I don't love, but like I don't love Little Nicky. Like I'm not going to run around and defend it all day long. I I know it's stupid. <laughs> I know exactly the reverse for me though, uh, and uh, you are probably going to get angry at this, but it's Children of Men. I cannot stand that movie. Thank you, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I don't understand the love people have for children of men. It makes. I literally had this conversation yesterday with Andrew Guy and Ben Bateman after they finished their Action Guys podcast. I don't get why people love this movie. I don't get it. It's distant. It bores me to tears. I fall asleep. I've tried to watch it three times. Fall asleep every single time. And I don't know why people love it so much. I, I totally. I think it looks beautiful. Sure, I think it, it has amazing cinematography. But yeah, from the beginning, it's just so much exposition. And I, there's something that just on like a. a bothers me about the ending of the movie yes. which is like you know so much of the conflict we have in the world today is based on like religious fights and it's like this sort of suggests like we'll get over your religious flight fights and worship the miracle baby yeah. and it's like well that's just a christian allegory like and then it was released on christmas day in yeah. theaters like what is wrong with you all right anyway yeah I'm, thank god i'm not al- i always thought i was alone on this island i didn't know silas was on the other side of it thank it's god it's really funny that i think we just demonstrated the exact opposite of what that question was asking for and there's no better place to wrap up this episode of Movie Talk. <laughs> Guys, thank you for watching, and I always say thank you to Roka for thank joining you, me at the table. Silas, thank you so thank much you for, for swinging me. by today. Again, tell everybody where they could find your work and find you on social media. Oh yeah, MovieBill.com, and hopefully we'll be having some uh, more surprises that we can announce soon. I like the sound of that. Yeah. And what's your social media handle? Oh, it's just my name, Silas Lesnick, which of course everyone knows how to spell. <laughs> <laughs> Go check it out, and if not, I've tweeted at him. Go find it that way. Adam in the booth, you rock as always thanks for your hard work thank you guys for watching the show do not forget to like and share us on youtube and then go check us out on podcast form as well the collider movie talk feed of course download it rate us comment tell everybody you know about us because it would be super helpful we're going to say goodbye now but we will be back monday 4 p.m pt for a brand new live episode Hey, little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. 
Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org.